Welcome to Unlocking Conflict, the podcast where we look at how we can handle everyday tensions and disagreement better. This week, we're looking at listening, why it matters, how it changes things, and what we can do to unleash the power of good listening in our lives. My co-host Anna is talking with Stephen, Fiona and Sharon about all those questions. So without further ado, let's begin. I'm Anna Wright. We're here to talk about managing difficult conversations today with Stephen, Fiona and Sharon and me. So why is listening so important in a dispute or conflict situation? I think that when you're in in a conflict situation, each party is uh, their main goal is to get across their point and for the other person to hear and understand them. And the problem with that is both people want that outcome. So there's a kind of rather like a, a tunnel you go down that both of you just get more and more emphatic and probably louder, possibly more aggressive as you're trying to get that to happen and achieve that. It's a bit like walking down a kind of dark tunnel. And if you put the ingredient of listening in there, which doesn't really feel natural at that point as you're, you're, the red mists rising and everything else, it's almost like opening a door in the tunnel and say, oh gosh, there's another way, there's another ingredient that we can add into this, where this is going. And it, it's just like light in the tunnel. What we, when we were thinking about this in the last podcast we did, we were talking about the importance of trying to put the other person first. And we were talking about looking at the person, looking at them again. Listening in one sense is a consequence of a choice we make And it will cut against the grain. It may be really difficult. It doesn't come naturally. But it's something that we may choose to say, just this once, I'm going to try and put him or her first. And that decision that we make, and it is a decision, it's not an emotion, and it's not easy to do, but the decision we make to say, I'm just going to give that person an opportunity Mm -hmm. to speak, which is another way of saying we're going to listen, is a way in which we can put that person first and try and work out what's going on for her or what's going on for him. So it's an act of generosity towards the other person with putting yourself second so that you can really hear the other person. Precisely. Yeah, I think it it fits in with that bigger picture of non-violent communication because we're seeking to compassionately connect with the other person so that we can figure out a way through the conflict and to compassionately connect, there's an element of putting the other person first and putting yourself second. But I also think it's important to keep in mind that we're, it's not about being a doormat. It's a gift. And we give a gift out of generosity, not out of weakness or out of uh, a surrender. We're giving a gift to the other person and kind of trying to engage in, in resolution by listening. Mm. And Stephen, you said that it's something that you find hard. <laughs> um, oh. I'm sure it's something we all find hard. But do you have any examples of how listening or Fiona or Sharon has really transformed a conflict situation and it's worth putting yourself through that emotional difficulty of really stopping and listening to another? As I, think I may have said before, I've had two jobs, one as a barrister and then as a mediator. Uh, the barrister's job is to speak to use words to try and destroy arguments. So words become bullets. They are there to try and destroy the other person's argument. And the whole focus is on using words to create 
a consequence which means that your club wins the battle, the judge decides. And I found switching from barristering to mediation that the emphasis is much more then on not speaking first, on trying to encourage the people I'm working with to listen to each other. Uh, and it may sound banal, it may sound so sort of basic that if someone listens to someone, something happens. The pushback is, oh, well, if I listen, I'm not going to get my chance to, and I say to do what? And then the answer is usually to win, to which I then say, well, really, is winning necessarily what this is all about? Is that going to help or harm the underlying relationship? Oh, that doesn't matter. I just want to win. And you can inquire a bit about that. And then often they may say, well, you know what? Maybe there is something better. And then the power of listening, the opportunity to say, well, I'm not going to say something first. I want to hear what you have to say. Can be can be hugely powerful. Um, yeah, I, I, I've definitely had some lots of family flare-ups have been my, my big learning curve. And one of them with our son... Um, we used to kind of lock horns and uh, and then end up in separate corners and it was it, it really really was not very happy uh, with a lot of our conflicts and this particular day um, I had said something that had really upset him and he um, he actually ended up walking home from the car put himself in a, a different room. Uh, I came into that room, he removed himself from it, and about eight rooms later, um, I caught up with him and I said, look, we actually do need to talk. But my offer to him, he simply did not want to talk. He did not want to be in the same room as me. And normally would have probably ended up shouting. And I said, look, I just want to hear what's happening for you. Would you be willing to speak to me about it? I want to listen. And so he did. I, I zipped my mouth. I reflected back what I'd heard. I normally would have said, oh, no, but you've got that wrong. No, sorry, that wasn't what I said. No, absolutely not. And this time I resisted it. Really, really big zip and just reflected back. And after about 25 minutes, I said, um, is there anything else you want to tell me about? And he said, no, I think that's about it. And I said, well, would you be able to hear what I have to say as well? And he said, yes. Now, there is no way 25 minutes earlier that he wanted to talk to me at all, let alone listen to me. And suddenly we had transformed from him being in a position where he actually was interested and was able to listen to me. And we ended up with a really big hug at the end of that, which transformed something that would have normally gone very differently. Uh, and people quite often say, well, if someone is making allegations against you, which you feel are totally false, utterly baseless you have to justify yourself you have to refute it because otherwise people say you're condoning someone or something which is wrong but in what fiona has said and i i saw the aftermath of that which was extraordinary she wasn't condoning what our son was saying she was simply saying i'm hearing you say is that what you're saying is that what you're feeling you say yes and he's not, she wasn't, Fiona wasn't saying that she agreed or disagreed with what he said. And it's not that value judgment. That's right, that's wrong, that may be right, that may be wrong. It's simply, this is what I've heard you say. So it's a neutral statement. It's making no uh, a siding, yea or nay, with what is said, but going behind the words to the person 
who has that strong emotion that needs to be recognized and heard. Yeah. In mediations, we give uh, people un what we call uninterrupted speaking time. And I have seen so many times when you protect the time and you give people turns to just speak uninterrupted and the other person respects it and listens for as long as, as it takes. Something changes in the room and then suddenly the things that really matter to people underneath the behaviours, the shouting, the dropping things over balconies, the threatening to call the police, the, all the things that, that often happen in neighbourhood disputes are not what they're talking about anymore. They're actually talking about respect and looking for a peaceful place to live and being able to let their children out and not worry that they're going to get shouted at. The stuff that really matters in life and that comes out because they've had a chance to speak uninterrupted about everything, not mm. just the shouting and the dropped litter and the car parked in the wrong place, but actually family life and being able to come home and put a key in your door and not worry that your neighbor's going to shout at you. And, and then they connect on a human level and then you can help them to work out what they need to do differently to, to show each other respect or whatever it is that the issue has been. That's where I've seen it most powerfully used. And I know for me, you know, it, the, the surprise is if somebody actually listens to what I'm saying and gives me the space and really gets to the sense of, of, of what I'm really trying to say, really understand, it is my temperature just goes from sort of 100 down to level. Mm. And mm. a sudden I go, I must breathe out and really, wow, that's amazing. And, and suddenly all that pent up stuff can relax and, and, and get released, just like you were sh saying, Sharon, just now. It, 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 it is transforming the kind of space and the conditions you have, what you're thinking, what you're, what you're hoping for, um, the pressures you're under. It's just it's, it's transformatory. I know that when I first started learning about listening, <laughs> I had no idea how much there was to learn about listening. I thought listening, I can do that, it's easy. Um, and I've learned as I do it, that I'm not always very good at it and that there's a whole lot more I can try and practice and do for other people when I'm listening. What does bad listening look like? I think we probably all experience this, but I'd love to get your takes on that. Well, I've, I've had feedback <laughs> from uh, people, including my husband, uh, that sometimes when I'm listening, I go into solution mode. And especially if we're talking about work stuff and I think I know the answer, <laughs> um, I, I barely wait for him to finish describing the scenario and I'll start coming up with ideas and solutions. And we sometimes call that the fixer. And I have had him sometimes exasperatedly say to me, I don't want you to find the answer. I just want you to listen. So that's something I've had to, had to pay attention to, actually, because in my work, very often I am a problem solver. And sometimes we can forget that in different relationships, people want different things from us. So I've, I've learned to, to try not be a fixer when, when somebody's just wanting to offload. Another one that comes to mind quite strongly is um, someone who shifts the topic onto something that they want to talk about. And I can do that just as much as anyone else. So somebody starts off by wanting to talk about their, their ill auntie Joan or whoever. And you come in with, yes, I, I have an auntie 
Mabel or something. And, and then I, I hijack the conversation and start talking about all the things I want to talk about. And so it just, just takes it away from what they're hoping to share to something I want to share. And that's not really um, helpful in terms of listening. Yes, I think we said before that if you're trying to put the other person first, then you put them first. You give them a chance to say what they want to say. And it's very, very subtle to say, oh, yes, but I want to fix the problem. And if we think we can, and maybe if in fact we can fix it, we know what the answer is. Uh, we assume that helping the other person best is to tell them what the answer to the problem is. Now, occasionally that may be right. We're not saying you don't fix problems if someone's asking for a problem to be fixed. But very, very often we find, in certainly the work I do, that people who are suffering or who have something which is really profound, they need to be able to tell it. We sometimes say, tell the story. They don't want something fixed because it's more important that they as a person can express what's happened or what they've gone through. And your listening then basically says to them, you are valuable as a person, not just as a problem that I can sort out. Another bad way of listening is to end up interrogating the person. And that's about meeting your own needs for information and maybe even kind of tipping into gossip or, or you know, wanting, wanting to know things that actually you don't need to know. Um, but you're, you're meeting your own need for information or your own need for curiosity, which is not really helping the person who's trying to unburden um, the issue that's going on for them. I know that um, what or two things that I can be guilty of is one, trying to make the other person feel that their problem isn't as bad as they think it is. So rather than listening and feeling their emotion and empathising, saying, well, it's not as bad, you know, lockdown's not as bad as it could be, I've got a garden, or you've got a garden, think of all those people who haven't got one, and not really listening to where they are right there, and why they're feeling the way they're feeling, and that they need to talk about it. And the other thing I'm also guilty of is always trying to get somebody to think about how the other person responded rather than so if someone's explaining a conflict going well well why did they react like that you know surely you did something to you know having that surely you did something rather than just accepting that actually right now the person is upset needs to talk about it and um, needs a sympathetic ear rather than somebody who's probably trying to fix things yeah well, I agree with you and I but I think you were you use the word sympathetic here and I think what even even more describes it is an empathetic year because sometimes sympathy can can be oh yes I know that I know exactly how you feel because I had this too and that's not always what the person's wanting to hear they're, they're wanting you to focus on them not on the parallel that you've experienced and, and how much you understand about what they're saying or say you understand uh, and I think that um, there's there's that word at least at least you've got this, which is, I think, again, Anna, what you were describing just now. At least you've got a garden. At least you... And it doesn't really help that person to to feel heard. There's a great YouTube video by Brené Brown, and that my favourite line in it, it's about empathy, my favourite line is, very rarely does an empathetic response start with, at least. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely worth, worth listening to. That's lovely. Yeah. That's lovely. 
so why do we all do this <laughs> why do we all listen so badly we can all hear ourselves saying these words we know we've done it what is it that causes us to do this and how can we begin to stop ourselves doing it i think sometimes we we, we want to help so some of the scenarios you've described anna you're possibly trying to help the other person to feel better with all those responses um, or you're trying to fix their problem for them or you're trying to just find the answer and you think you're helping them to find the answer so sometimes it's well-meaning and other times it probably goes back to Stephen's example about trying to win mm. uh, so we can be quite critical of of someone and say well of course that would have happened because you always end up saying more than you should say or walking out before the end of the conversation so no wonder they have no idea what's going on and Sharon, what you just described was also us coming with our own preconceived judgments about how someone always acts or always says things. And that can sometimes get in the way of listening as well. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that gets in the way. We tend to respond to situations based on our previous experience. So we've gathered all these experiences along the way. We've met people of different kinds. We've had things happen to us. And sometimes they've been successful. And sometimes they've been unsuccessful and we'll tend to respond again based on that experience to a new situation that comes along. So if somebody behaves in a way that fits into our box or our idea of a type of person that's really annoying, we'll respond accordingly instead of actually stepping back and going, well, what's going on right now for that person and for me, rather than slipping into our, our judgments about what might be going on. I've done an exercise, which you've all taught me, where you have to sit and just listen to somebody explain to you without interrupting them, without questioning them, without saying anything for a few minutes. And all I can say is it's very hard work just listening and trying to prevent yourself from cutting in. That was one of the most powerful things for me about learning about listening, which I've learned from all of you, was just doing that simple exercise and reflecting and realising how often I want to put myself in the centre and catching that each time and thinking, no, don't say anything, just listen to the end. And the person being listened to has always reflected back how empowering that was and how um, freeing it was to know that they could talk without interruption. It's interesting isn't it, being put into a, a slightly false um, engineered scenario like that and actually discovering how restrictive it feels because it alerts us to what our normal pattern is. Listening is deeply counterintuitive. You don't wake up one morning and you become a good listener. At least I don't. And I've been trying for many years. And I suspect it's going to be a lifetime at work doing it. You learn to listen and you learn to choose not to speak. And that process of decision, which you can learn and which in each conversation one tries to put into practice, means slowly, slowly, slowly we train ourselves, we discipline ourselves to give priority to someone else and to put ourselves just half a step back so they can speak. Although it can be really hard not to speak, we can be involved in listening. It's not a passive thing. So we can use our body language, we can use eye contact, we can use little mm -hmm, or affirmative comments or even the occasional wow or amazing so that we're not silent we're not passive we are involved in the conversation and that's what we call active listening 
I think it helps if you're consciously practicing active listening to stay fully engaged in the conversation and not just go and blind I have to wait till they finish speaking before I can say anything. As Sharon has said, there's more to it than simply receiving the words. You're communicating exactly as she said, you're the fact that you've heard them. Because the flip side of listening is hearing. I absolutely agree with that. And and, and I was looking, I was thinking this morning about the difference between listening and hearing. And I think hearing, you could put in the word understanding. Mm. So listening is a process that we can develop as we've been talking about. And there are certain things that will help that to happen, listening to people's words. But really hearing them goes another level down, I think. Um, I I know I read a book once where um, the parents, when their kids had a a row, sent them to another room and said, "You, you cannot come out until you feel that you've been understood by the other person. And you could say being heard by the other person. So let's get on then to how we make that happen. (laughs) Um, I've heard both Sharon and Stephen talk about active listening, about good listening. What, What does a good listener do differently? What are some of the skills that you need and some of the ways that you practice this? Can I kick off by saying that I would maybe this is part of the job I do as a mediator, but I would invite other people to tell their story. So you give them an opportunity to say, well, just tell me what has happened. Just tell the story, Um, which gives them a a permission, uh, not just to say what is particularly in their mind, but where they've come from and where they have, or what the journey has been like. And that process of saying, this will take a little bit of time. Uh, I want to be there while you speak. There isn't a time limit. Mm. You can speak until I've heard. And then maybe, just maybe, as I hear, as I empathize, as we begin to engage through that process of listening and hearing, we can continue walking together uh, through that process rather than, as it were, being apart. Mm as well as the body language and the sort of affirmative noises or nodding or whatever that you can use to show that you've heard, it's sometimes helpful to reflect back what you think the person said to you. And it feels a bit clunky to start with because it sounds a bit patronising. So, Anna, you said something to me, you offload something, particularly if you're quite agitated or emotional, and I say, okay, I think I heard you just say, that you're really angry and frustrated because I used up all the milk in the fridge again. On one level, that sounds like it could be patronising. But if you've just shouted at me and said, I can't believe you used all the milk in the fridge again and you didn't, you know, you, you just put the bottle back in. Just the very fact that I repeat it back to you means you know I've heard it. I can hear your frustration. And then we can move on to, so what are we going to do about it? Mm -hmm. And it sounds ridiculous, but it is really powerful. The other thing that's really useful is summarizing. So if someone's had a good old offload of lots of things and the person who's listening is able to summarize back, then they show that they've really heard it all. And if they leave something out, the person go, yeah, and you forgot about the such and such. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good way to make sure that all the really important things get talked about. So they're two probably slightly more technical listening skills, one called reflecting back and one called summarising, that are really helpful. 
uh, in showing that you've really heard what the other person said? I, I've got an example of a time I was trying to help a, a father and a daughter to communicate better. And the daughter said something quite significant. And the father just cruised straight on with what he was intending to say. And I, I just said, could you just tell me what you heard your daughter say? And he absolutely couldn't. So he hadn't actually listened, nor had he any chance of understanding, understanding what she was saying because he hadn't listened to the words. So, so she said it again. And that time he was really attentive. And it was actually a transformative time in their communication. He went away just, just saying, I, I've understood things about my daughter I had no idea about. Yeah. I had a Zoom call the other day where I was helping two people to have a difficult conversation. <laughs> and one person said what they had prepared. And the other person, their eyes just widened in surprise at what the other person had said. But the other person was looking down at their notes because they needed to say the things they were going to say. And I said, can I just pause you there? Did you notice the other person's eyes? What happened when you said that? No, 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 I didn't. What, what? And so we ended up having a great conversation, which is, well, why, why, why did your eyes open like that? Was it, you look as if maybe you were surprised. Well, I was really surprised because, and then we got to the nugget of what the issue was. Just by paying attention to somebody's eyes widening, it was like a doorway into this is what the real issue is. So I think noticing and actually going well you look a bit surprised is also means you're paying attention to the other person's body language too that's a form of listening the question there was important wasn't it you, you actually asked about what you saw the other person doing which means you're acknowledging it mm. and you're asking them for more information we also talked about questions as being a problem in bad listening as well so how do you kind of know what's a good question what's a helpful question and what's actually putting yourself back at the center again you need to be careful and maybe slightly diffident about questions you can never guarantee that you have asked the right question and if you're trying to listen what Sharon was and Fiona were saying about listening to what people have said feeding back um summarizing uh with the best will in the world one may not always get it right uh, and therefore if one is coming in with questions there is, I think, a place to be quite diffident uh, about them. For instance, to say, well, I am wondering whether this is what was happening. Please tell me if I'm wrong. I may well have got that wrong. But uh, uh, in other words, giving the person who's speaking an opportunity either to confirm that what you have sought to feedback is accurate, or if it isn't accurate, to give an opportunity to that person to say, well, it wasn't quite right because I was wanting to say that. Now that process builds the relationship or builds a conversation. Yeah, you can use the analogy of a, of a funnel. So start off really wide, like Stephen said. So what's the story? What's going on for you? Is a really nice open question where you're not making any prejudgments about what's bothering the person. So what's going on for you? And then when they start to speak, if you imagine your questions being tools that you're using to build enough understanding without interrogating, <laughs> to demonstrate understanding of what you've heard and to wonder, as Stephen said, I wonder if, or I wonder what was going on there, or might it be this, are nice ways of phrasing questions without sounding like you're just interrogating someone. Mm. 
Can I, can I just add into this that <clears throat> listening, as, as I've been actively to this podcast <laughs> and to what we're all saying to each other, some of you out there may be wondering uh, whether this isn't all rather sort of hair shirtish, that we're just uh, doormats, uh, that we never express what is happening within ourselves, that it's all about the other person, never about us, and, and we're not wanting to say that. But listening is one side only of conversation in a conflict situation. The other side, which we hope to unpack in a later podcast, is about speaking, uh, which is the flip side of that, whereby we begin ourselves to communicate what's happening for us. We touched on it in the last podcast in terms of loving or respecting ourselves as well as respecting the other person. You start by choosing to focus on the other person first. That's not to say you don't focus on yourself, but you focus on yourself second, having dignified and respected the other person by finding out what's happening there. We're talking about all of this as if we're sitting in the same room as the person who you are having a disagreement with. At the moment, we're in lockdown, probably not always in the same room as or even same city as family members and friends who you might be falling out with for various reasons. You might be using digital technology and we all know that that can go wrong very quickly. Any top tips for how to listen effectively when you're using technology because you're apart from each other? It might be by phone. It might be through text messages or email. Can you listen effectively through those means? I, I think it's entirely possible. Maybe taking a little bit more time, a little more space. So you maybe to make sure the conditions when you're speaking are not, not going to be hurried, that there's not going to be pressure. Finding out from the other person what their situation is when it's convenient. So I think it's about setting the scene and creating the space in which one can have that conversation. We can tend to think, my goodness, I've got to resolve this conflict. Here is the 10 minutes. I'm going to sort it all out. We're going to go from A to B in one go. Everything will be hung out. I'm going to listen. He'll listen. We'll then re-engage. We'll transform the relationship. 10 minutes time. We can then get on with life as normal. Uh, and it doesn't usually work like that. This takes a lot longer normally than we think. And in a lockdown situation where we don't have all the, uh, sort of the best options at our fingertips, I would say just take it more slowly. And be prepared, perhaps, if you can manage it, not easy, to laugh at yourself if you get it wrong. <laughs> so be prepared for the other person to say, look, this isn't working. And you say, that's cool. That's fine. Let's try something different. And just go with them on that sort of process. Yeah, I've had conversations with several people who feel really uncomfortable being on video screens because they've never done it before. And now suddenly you're trying to have a difficult conversation and deal with technology so several times I've said, would you prefer to just be on the old fashioned landline? Because at least it feels familiar in your hand mm -hmm. and you can be sitting wherever you want to sit and you don't have to worry about how you look. Um, and, you know, I wasn't having a difficult conversation with my mother, but I realized that we I, I rang her on the landline where she's she's staying at my sister's and we had a conversation that felt much more normal than the ones who we've been doing on the video WhatsApp, which suddenly um, everyone seems to feel like they need to have a video WhatsApp conversation when we've been talking on a, on a, on a hefty landline for donkey's years. And it felt different. And that made me realise that actually probably in some of the 
work contexts where I've been trying to help people to have difficult conversations, maybe actually the technology is getting in the way and just an old fashioned landline in the hand might actually be better for some people because you just don't need them to have that extra level of discomfort. This week, if someone's been listening to this podcast and they thought, oh my goodness, I didn't know there was so much to this. What can they do to start to make a difference in family disagreements that they might be having um, just to give this a go? I think my top tip would be um, press the pause button first yes. before yes. anything else. Practice yes. pressing the pause button because we're not in the habit of doing that. And once we've done that and actively thought about it, then we can start to process some of the other stuff. So I would say, building on that, notice other people's emotions. That's the first step in empathy. Ask questions to check. Reflect back what you think you've heard. If someone has a good old rant at you, just practice trying to summarise it and play it back to them. And even if the conflict doesn't get resolved or you don't get to the end of the argument, the person will feel heard and they may well come back for another conversation in a different frame of mind because they've felt heard. And can I add into that, that if that feels unnatural to you or clunky or really peculiar, and if you're worried that your, your friends might think what on earth's happened to her, just say, look, I'm just going to try something new. Um, you know, don't, don't try and hide it. I think it's really helpful to say, I just want to try this way of, of hearing you reflecting back what I've heard. Is that okay? Just to show an example of that, your top tips are pause, notice the emotion, ask questions, reflect and summarise and check in with the other person, make sure they're okay. And if we can all start doing that, perhaps we'll really begin to hear the other person properly and then have the opportunity to have our say as well. So thanks everyone for sharing all of your wisdom tonight, listening to each other and being respectful throughout. And next week we will explore another part of how to handle disagreement better. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Anna. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Anna. Brilliant. This has been Unlocking Conflict, brought to you by Crux, Peacewell and Wandsworth Mediation Service. We've put a link to the Brené Brown video on empathy that Sharon mentions in the session notes for this episode. In the next episode, we'll be looking at having the conversation. How do we open it up? What kind of language can we use? And what kind of techniques will help us make our conversations go really well? You can find all our episodes at crux.org.uk or on the main podcasting sites. We'd love to hear from you so much. So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to email us at unlockingconflict at crux.org.uk. And you can also play a hand in shaping what we cover next. So thanks so much for listening and we look forward to hearing from you.